I'm Lawrence Krauss, and you're listening to Trek Talk. Welcome back to the latest episode of Trek Talk, a Star Trek podcast. I'm Garen Gillum. I'm John Alley, and this is episode 13. Thank you, because I forgot what episode it was. <laughs> you see how I definitely did not mention the episode number? I I, I noticed that. We're, <laughs> we're getting into the, you know, the higher numbers. We're in double digits now, so it's hard to remember. <laughs> That's right. We went over 1,000 downloads. That's that's pretty impressive for uh, you know, just something we do uh, off the cuff, kind of. <laughs> Without really any effort really put into advertising. Hey, yeah. this is just on, all about us having fun, talking track. Exactly. And hopefully if people send, they enjoy it. So. Yes. And we're on schedule again, man. This is our yes. third episode uh, in as many weeks to review Star Trek Discovery um vaulting ambition is the name of the latest episode which should be episode 12 because they're one episode behind us there who's who's one episode behind us um in our sequence of podcast episode numbers oh oh yeah one behind ours oh okay cool yes so that's how i was able to remember their episode number you can remember theirs but you can't remember ours but But you know what that means? If they're on episode 12, there's only three more episodes this season. (laughs) That sucks, because it's just getting better and better. Yes. Although there are some weird things I want to talk about this episode. We will definitely discuss those. Before we do that, let's have an update of Trek uh, News. Um, You want to open Federation News Service? I will... Tune Federation News Service in right now. Tune them in. This report has been brought to you by the Federation News Service. All right. In the news, uh, number one, let's talk about um, IDW, the comics publisher that has the license for Star Trek comics. Um, Today, they released... Issue number two of uh, their miniseries uh, tie-in to Star Trek Discovery, um, which is, I believe, is called Heart of Kalis. That's correct. Focusing on the Klingons. I picked that up today. I have not read it yet. I'll have to stop by the comic book store tomorrow. I have to find a comic book store on my way home since mine closed. (sighs) That sucks. In addition, uh, they announced another miniseries tie-in to Star Trek Discovery, uh, which is going to be called Succession, and uh, it's going to focus on the Mirror Universe. So That sounds great. I mean, the Mirror Broken series has done excellent, and I just I can't get, en- I can't get enough of... Uh, 
the discovery and especially the mirror universe there's so much so much depth there i think yeah so uh so we'll get more of the mirror universe um which that's kind of a clue to me that they'll probably wrap up the mirror universe on the tv show this season and probably they won't be back in the mirror universe next season they don't they don't generally overlap you can kind of tell because like the way they did it with the heart of Kalis is like kind of okay we we did the Tukovma thing he died in the first episode okay now IDW you can go back and do his backstory because we're not really going to revisit that again on the show well I, I kind of think that's probably what they're going to do with the mirror universe like okay we're done with the mirror universe now IDW you could take it it's all yours now you can you know dive in see I have to disagree with you there I don't think it's going to be a continuation. I think it's going to be a prelog or a, uh yeah, whatever it's called. I think it's going to basically on Giorgio's uh rise to empress or emperor. Yes. Now, I, yeah, but, but but I mean but my I just mean that I don't think they're going to go back to the mirror. Yeah, in the, in the TV show. Like, I, okay, I, I can agree with that. Maybe. I will see. Now, now, here's another cool thing: is so it looks like uh, so for this series, they're gonna have uh, what's called they're calling ships of the line covers uh, by renowned comic artist Declan Shave Shave Shelby and colorist Joydy Ballar uh, will provide your first look at Discovery's new ships. Your oh, wow. first look at Discovery's new ships. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, Maybe they're giving us a peek in season two. I'm not sure because I mean, that's kind of cool. the Prime Universe they have so far, other than <laughs> the Emperor's uh, palace <laughs> ship. <laughs> we need to we need to talk about that. This is news right. right now. This What's is not news, news, not grapes. <laughs> update i mean star trek online is celebrating its eighth anniversary and uh previous anniversaries uh they usually have specials going on um they have uh, special events within within the game and uh i'm definitely going to have to jump back on and play it play some more this uh this week it itself i just don't i don't play mmos uh, I don't. I don't play a lot, but this is Star Trek, so I do. It was originally uh, released in February of 2010, so actually, the it's coming up on its eighth anniversary in February. What I want to see, John, I want to see a really good, you know, single player computer RPG Star Trek. Kind of like the uh, Star Trek Voyager. Um... Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. I, I had it. I still have it. Um, it was a, pretty much like an assault team. You're, you have no clue what I'm talking about, do you? I, I think I know what you're talking about. I haven't played it, but I don't know. Is that really considered an, an RPG or is that more an action-oriented? Yeah, I guess it'd be an action. Oh, I see what you're talking about for an RPG. Yeah, it'd be. it's a first-person shooter. Okay, So yeah. Stands to reasons since I play tabletop RPGs. True, true. 
anyway, okay, well, that's cool, though. I have nothing against Star Trek Online, so eight years is good. It sounds kind of interesting. Um, so the synopsis is, it's a fascinating compilation of previously unseen and fully resort, restored stills from the original series. Um, and it looks like it's also going to have uh, script uh, segments. And um, it, it just it looks like they're putting together pieces from the cutting room floor, per yeah. se. You know, pictures and script excerpts. Along with bloopers. Episodes, you know, pieces of episodes that didn't make it on screen, basically. I don't know. I did. I don't know what type of audience that would have. It seemed that would I be think, kind of a limited interest. Uh, diehard fans uh, that like the behind the scenes or people who are interested in uh, um, TV production, television history. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I, I kind of have to wait. I, it's probably something I need to actually go to the bookstore and look, look at it. Right. Um, let's see. Anything else we want to go over in there's, the news? Uh, there's a new, another book coming out. Uh, it's a revised edition of Obsessed with Star Trek, which you'd mentioned that you had the original edition. And this is a, you said it's a, a quiz book that, Basically, the original had the electronic uh, answer key. Yes. You flip to the page, and then it gives you the question and the available answers, and you push A, B, C, or D. Is that how it worked? Yep. Okay. Well, there's a so new... it's a revised edition of the that book. Yes. It says, the update to the original Obsessed with Star Trek quiz book includes 200 new questions based on the existing films of a... New Star Trek era, Star Trek 2009, Star Trek Into Darkness, and Star Trek Beyond. Okay, so this is just focusing on the Kelvin universe, it seems like. All right, so we can get, you know, if I can find the, the other yeah. one. All right, this one doesn't seem to be electronic. It says the updated edition is released in paperback with answers at the bottom of each page. Okay, so that's different. Well, maybe, maybe the other one had two, two types to it. Maybe it had a regular and a... And this is... Oh. This will be due out in October sixteenth, twenty eighteen. Hey, we're on top of things, you know. <laughs> we're, we're I happy. do have. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I do have an, an idea, though. What's your idea? We do a Star Trek trivia challenge right here on the show on one of our episodes. Who are we going to challenge? Each Me other. You. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I see what you mean. See who the who the top Trekkie is. We'll have to find someone that can uh, be the answer or the question giver. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that'd be too hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, anything? If anyone wants to hear that, let us know. Or if you absolutely do not want to hear that, let us know. And you can uh, let us know at trektalkpodcast at gmail dot com. Or at Trek Talk Podcast on Twitter. All right. Anything else? Uh, I think that's it for the news. 
Okay. Let's dive into the episode review. Okay. So let's uh, open hailing frequencies. So, Garen, what are your thoughts? Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Uh, oh, uh, before, before you begin, yes. there spoilers? are spoilers. Spoil alert, spoil alert. Yes. All right. Let's dive in. Uh, do you want to try to take this in sequence? I only had a chance to watch it once. I, I tried to get another watch in, but I wasn't able to. Uh, same here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it, there's so much to uh, to absorb. It's like all just blending together in my mind right now. So it'll probably be a little out of order. Okay. So, I do remember the beginning of the episode starts with Lorca and Burnham. They're on a shuttle. Mm-hmm. And, heading to, um, see, heading to uh, meet with the Emperor. Yes. On the gigantic flagship slash palace ship. The ISS, is it pronounced Ch- Chiron? Chiron? C-H-I-R-O-N, I believe. Is how I saw it Chiron. Spell. Chiron. So it's definitely not the uh, – we had speculated the flagship might be the Defiant, but it's definitely, definitely not, not the Defiant. Definitely not Federation or Terran Empire tech that we've ever seen before. <laughs> it, it looks – my first thought is that it, this is something that would be cool in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> It would it, because, would it would be interesting not, to see it go up against like a Star Destroyer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, seriously, I'm, I'm not. It's, it's no joke. Like, it's a cool concept because it's. I don't know. It definitely does not have any Starfleet look and feel to it. No. Number one, there's no saucer. There's no. no I don't notice any engine. No warpness cells. That, it's I, huge. Yeah. And it's got what looks like a freaking neutron star in the center of it. Yeah, and and speculation has been that it might be uh, stolen Romulan tech. Okay. Because they uh, they power their ships by a singularity, I think, like a yeah, captured think, black yeah, hole. Yeah, I think you're right. But this is literally basically what the first thing I thought of. Okay, that's a collapsed star. It's like yeah. a neutron star. Dwarfs, or maybe no, they a, yeah. artificially created a small star as a power source for the ship. I don't know that it wouldn't necessarily have to be the power power for the drive, but it might just be where the source that powers the ship and weapons. Because, I, I mean, that's what it appears to be. It's basically a miniature sun at the center of this ship. And, and it's like, wouldn't that have fit well in the, like, in The Last Jedi, they had this the ship, these new ships called the Dreadnought. Right. They basically look like Star Destroyers or another version of a Star Destroyer. It's like, they should have had something like this. Like, that would have fit in, in the Star Wars, but. That's true. I don't know if it fits in the Star Trek, but. Well, I mean, if, if like if it's like I said, if it's stolen tech, I guess so because the 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 shape of it kind of also looks similar to the next generation Romulan warships. How how the wings come down into the their nacelles, and you have like a hollow center. Yeah. 
Um, I get the hollow center. I, yeah, I'd, I'd have to look at it again. Yeah. I didn't. I don't recall seeing like a wing structure. Although but. I did, I did, I did like the uh, flying towards it. How like it goes in towards the? I mean, it actually looks kind of like a palace on yeah. top. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So. Yeah, so they're on their way. Uh, they're, it's a nice little scene. They're just basically, um, it kind of sets up some things that happen later. Uh, she uh, she gives him a, a shot to like uh, take away some of the pain of the. Um, yeah. Oh, I have a brain dump. What what's the the agonizer agonizer booths? Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. And he's he, he, they're talking about the defiant. Oh, the, yeah, she's she's talking about the defiant data that they had retrieved, but it's it's been redacted, so it's kind of useless. And he's and, and Lorca's like, well, at least we've been summoned summoned to the Imperial Palace. So, you know, we we probably find what we're looking for there, or something something of that effect. Right. He seemed quite fine with going to the Imperial Palace. Yeah, yeah, which we find out later why. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So they get there. There's basically the audience with Emperor Augustus, Caesar, Magnus, Maximus, um, Planet Killer. uh, (laughs) Giorgio. (laughs) Star Goddess. Giorgio. Powerpuff Girl, <laughs> <laughs> member of Kiss uh, with those boots, <laughs> which is like man, she's looking badass. She does look badass like, in that in that outfit and with that sword, yeah. And so uh, I, they have some discussion. Bring Lorca forward. She, you know, Burnham basically describes, I guess, how she captured him, which is part of their, hopefully going to be their cover story, which, of course, doesn't work very well later. Um, and then, in the meantime, we've got some things going on with Stamets back on the Discovery. Yes. And uh, he's, like, within... I'm guessing he's within the uh, Mycenaeum. Oh, man. I'm... What's the web called? I just I just, I just called the Mushroom Network. The Mushroom Network. All right, the Mushroom. Mycelium Network. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's like within the Mycelium Network talking to uh, Mirror Universe, damn it. Yes. And uh, he's got a, a, a really badass uniform. Yes, all the, uh, all the mirror uniforms are badass. <laughs> they are right. Um, so they're talking to each other with somehow within the network. Uh, so we guess we could, so basically to summarize we we come to find out obviously there is a mirror Stamets but he's not on the dis, mirror Discovery he's on the palace ship right I because he wakes up later yeah I don't think that was ever 
I don't think that was ever addressed because it looked like it looked like the Discovery sick bay. I thought maybe um, they showed like an outside establishing shot of the palace ship, but I, I got the sense he was not on the Discovery. Okay, well, it's, it's it's hard to tell because within the mycelium network, um, it was believed they were on the Discovery when they were trying to figure out how to you know get out because they were like in a coma, and yeah, yeah. it shot when they're in the engineering section. Yeah, and it said, "I or was it ISS or USS? Uh, one of the, one of the, but it was Stamets. The shit it was called Stamets, so it was like he was like within himself. It, it, it like a dedication plaque, you know, you know how they oh, discovered. Really? Yeah, I missed that. Yeah, well, I, like I said, I saw I saw it in a screen grab, but it was, uh, and I, I forget forget the uh, NCC number, but I wish I should have brought it up. I. So they're basically interacting in, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me kind of of the Nexus in uh, Star Trek, from Star Trek Generations. That's true, because he uh, he gets sidetracked because he sees Dr. Colbert, and he starts yeah. following him. Yeah. And they end up in their quarters, and... He's basically telling him, "Hey, I'm dead," and you know, and they're having their uh, great moment. I, I I love scenes between those two. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's, but, it's, yeah. it's good scenes. I I guess my I'm just but he, he's kind of, he, I, he's uh, Colbert's trying. I guess kind of trying to warn him. And this 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 and maybe this is well, we guess explain later. But I. I this is kind. Of, this is one of the things that overall in the show I'm not 100% into is the whole, the whole concept of the spore network. I I just don't know the scientific. I know there's a real Paul Stamets, and yeah, I, I don't know exactly what is. He's not an astrophysicist. Let me just put it this way: What would Lawrence Krauss, the eminent physicist of our day say about a mushroom network. I, I don't. I don't know if this is real science or if it's. Well, I think it's real. I mean, science. Maybe, so, maybe we should get the book Mycelium Running by Paul uh, Stamets and read into it because uh, people. I mean, pe- like people they have on the show. I mean, refer, keep referring back to that as it's. I mean, like it's real science. But it doesn't come up like I've you know I've I've read a lot of you know how would you call me but you know books like what Lawrence Krauss oh, yeah. puts out like a physicist that put out yeah. physics books for the layperson I've read a number of those I, I've never seen this come up <laughs> true. this but is I, true this is true I don't know I'm I'm skeptical let me just put it that way I'm skeptical of the science of this and because and then it the way they bring it into this episode where they're kind of like like what is Colbert? Is he supposed to still be alive? Is he just a figment of his stamp? I I read it as it's it, it's just just his own it's Stamus's consciousness 
being personified by a vision or something right. like it's, that. It's, it's his way. I think it's his his conscious or, yeah, trying to come out of the coma. And this is like one of the processes that it's going through. So he's not. But, but then, I mean, where would, where would, how would, how would Mirror Universe Stamets be in there, I guess, since he really, he doesn't know where he's at, really. And he doesn't, he hasn't experienced any of the Mirror Universe, although he's seen it in Vision through the network. I guess we just got to wait to see how this whole thing plays out. Yeah. I don't... And maybe... The, I don't know what exactly they're where they're at. It's... How do they... How do consciousness... Consci- it, I guess this is a theme of, of the show, right? Because not only with with the network... the you know, my, What is it? Mycelium my, my network. network. They've established that that it, it, now those two that are they're in separate physically separate can interact. They also brought it in with Burnham and Sarah being able to interact at long distances via I'm not sure what Vulcan. Telepathy, or uh, the uh, mind meld. Yeah, yeah. Remember in the first couple episodes, yeah. my, where the distance, uh, the 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 long distance. Yeah, which was meld. never established in Star Trek yeah. lore before. Which I, I don't have an issue with adding a Star Trek lore per se. It's just This idea that consciousness can communicate over long distances with no apparent scientific explanation to it is it's just a question mark for me right now. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure where that's coming from. Okay. Well, I, I brought up I brought up the uh, on on Amazon the book Mycelium Running published in 2005. The basic science goes like this. Microscopic cells called mycelium, the fruit of which are mushrooms, recycle carbon, nitrogen, and other essential elements as they break down plant and animal debris in the creation of rich new soil. What Stamets has discovered is that we can capitalize on mycelium's digestive power and target it to decompose toxic waste and pollutants. I'm not going to try to pronounce that catch and reduce silt from stream beds and pathogens from agricultural watersheds, control insect populations, and generally enhance the health of our forests and gardens. <laughs> all right. So that all sounds very scientific-y. Yes. And well, then I'm not sure how that applies. And, uh, this, I, I see this applying – well, I mean it's uh, – mycelium running how mushrooms can save the world which i can see that in the like the environmental aspect of it you know yeah no that sounds completely scientific i don't have no issue with that so so this guy all right so he truly is a mushroom guy yes he 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 is uh uh my uh what's it my mycologic uh mycologist i think is what it's pronounced all right so 
the Star Trek writers were, were kind of into this concept of mushrooms and they and they tied that into physics. There's a, there there is no connection in the real world from mushrooms to physics. Well, like, the, the, the he said that there there's a, a connection between physics and biology. Well, every, well, that's a truism, though. I mean, yes. I mean, ultimately, everything goes back to physics. Yes, but as far as it's it's. They took a big leap. They took the basic real science, natural, real world mushroom and tied it into. Uh, hasn't the, hasn't the, uh, Star well, Trek been doing that from the beginning? <laughs> I would argue Star Trek has done it, but the science that they brought into and used was close, more closely tied to actual um, so, uh, the the science of, for example, warp drive itself goes goes to Einstein's you know theories that you know mm-hmm. you can possibly you know you can you can have wormholes and space time and that could potentially be manipulated to sh- you know shorten distances of travel and right yeah there's a one to one direct relationship. The science is there, and they've taken it to actually make a drive technology. This is like this is different. This is much different. <laughs> so, I I'm not sure I I like I like that, but I don't. We digress. Yes. Um, we digress. Let's get back into the episode. episode yes. Um, we had we had our tangent so. <laughs> We get we we we're allowed one per episode. <laughs> um. All right. So, anyway, within the show, Mirror Stamets, Real Stamets have a conversation. Uh, and well, what's happening is Mirror Stamets it says that basically the network is breaking down. Right. Yes. And they're both caught in comas, and they need to get out of the comas. And um, this uh, real Stamets is able to do this basically by the nudging of Culber from their interactions. Culber basically says, "Look, you need to wake up and get you know just come out of it." Which is to me, it's like. That's his own consciousness just saying, you know, Paul, yeah. get out of this. Wake yourself up and get out of this because people need you. You know what I mean? Like you, that's you, how I read it. Do you think the do you think the mirror stamets it almost seemed like he had been in the coma longer. Like he had been in there a lot longer. I, I agree. Because he did say, Look, I've been I've been yeah, he's been like trapped and he's been tr- trying to get He's been trying to signal the real, you know, Federation universe, Paul Stamets. Well, do you think when he went, when when Federation universe Paul Stamets started acting as the drive mind mm-hmm. when he took over from the tardigrade, tardigrade. Every time he did that, the mirror Paul Stamets was trying to contact him. 
Okay. That's why when Paul when Stamets came out right. of the came out of it of after they made a jump, he's was saying things like like you know Captain Tilly and the palace and right. he was he Mary Stamets was sending him images information from just trying to get him to contact him basically. Right. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I agree. He's he's been trapped in there for a while, and he needs he needs you know right. Federation universe stamets to get get him out. Well, and and he does. Uh, uh, Paul Federation Paul comes out of coma, and at that same time, that's when uh, Mirror Universe Paul Stamets wakes up in the sick bay, presumably of the palace ship. Yeah, to do whatever he needed. Yeah. And he seemed yeah, like he, he had a mission to yeah, do something. Yeah, he took off. He took what. off. And we don't know what he's doing right now. So, so but, uh, okay, let's uh, let's let's cut back to uh, Giorgio and um, Burnham and after 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 she turns in um, Lorca over to the Emperor, and the Emperor ha- gives her a choice of three kelpians and ask her to choose one uh, i assume it's, i assume it's i assume a slave right i, I assumed it. it was going to be another slave like saru is back on the shinzo but later in the emperor's quarters we find out that it is mm, dinner <laughs> oh man they make kelpian soup I, I felt a little sick like oh. physically ill especially with the ganglia oh <laughs> that was that was nasty man yeah terrans are nasty they basically no that that kelpian that burnham picked was not for to be a slave it was dinner And Which, she had to take it and take it down and like it was nothing. Yeah. Oh gosh. That, that was. Did they go too far? And that because uh, this kind of goes to what you asked me last episode about some of the. I, I mean, I don't think I, I, I don't think it went too far. I mean, <sighs> Saru said his his uh, whole race was a prey race. Uh, and you know they were hunted so it's like you know i mean they're pretty much food from the they were bred to be food so they're just i mean what what's i mean what's the difference too far in in the sense of it being logically fitting into the terran empire just from i don't know being on star trek did we need to did, did star trek does Star Trek need to have a scene of them eating another sentient life oh, form? Oh, okay. Do, do, I, do, I, do I have to go full vegan on you? <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me, cows, pigs, they're sentient. <laughs> they feel pain. <laughs> uh, I disagree on that. Not, sentient is when you're aware of yourself. Uh, as a thinking being animals are aware of themselves uh, as 
Yes. I think, therefore, I am. Uh, can you prove that they don't? I'm not, I'm not making the claim. All right. Anyways. <laughs> Fine. We're, we're allowed two sidebars. <laughs> Just, just, um, just watch the YouTube video of Herbie gets a new ball. <laughs> it's about a cow. Anyway, <laughs> they ate some some ganglia. <laughs> that just sounds gross. They had some ganglia. Yeah, that was especially. Yeah. And, and here's my thing. Why weren't the when they were chosen? Why weren't there uh, ganglia like shooting out? <laughs> At least They're the one. Probably, at least though, if if that's how they sense death coming, why wasn't the one that was chosen? Why wasn't his ganglia just going crazy? <laughs> you make a great point there. You're right. They probably they probably should have had the ganglia should have been basically jumping off the back of his neck. I see. See this. You know what's funny about this? Remember we were talking about. Um, Quentin Tarantino Star Trek. Yes. Oh, uh, what's Quentin Tarantino going to do? Star Trek is going to be too gross, gr- gross and violent. <laughs> They've already done that already. Right. In this episode. What, what else could Quentin Tarantino do? Yeah, that they didn't already pretty, do in this. Episode? Pretty, pretty much. I mean, uh, Star Trek Discovery is on, on, probably close to what a Tarantino Star Trek would be because they've already, <laughs> they've already dropped the f bomb. They showed Klingon. Breast is this? <laughs> now they've got pretty much, I, I guess, can, cannibalism. Since you know, Kelpians are part of the Federation crew. <laughs> oh, and there were some some other crazy murders in this episode uh, with the uh, fidget oh. spinner. Oh my, that was awesome! Uh, just that whole scene. Oh, you could describe it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it reminded me of that thing from Guardians of the Galaxy that uh, what's his name has the rocket? No, not rocket. Um, oh, um, um, Zan- 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 uh, Yondu, yeah, his arrow, Yondu. his uh, arrow, yes. Yeah, that's the first thing that popped into my head. Yeah, well, it's like... basically it's basically Zandu's. Yondu's arrow, yeah. except it's a fidget spinner. Yeah, I, it kind of looks like a throwing star as well. Yeah, but they 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 got the idea from fidget spinners on the writer's table. <laughs> but yeah, she basically throws it out. It just goes out like a boomerang. Murders like every everyone but one dude and comes back. Yeah, or like ruling council is kind of what they were, like her governors yeah. and stuff. So. Which is, I guess we should talk about what they spoke about before she did that, which is once she got Burnham alone, so to speak, well, uh, well, not alone because they still have those other counsel. But basically she's like, okay, yeah, well, how did it start off? Number one, we found out that Giorgio is her adopted mother Mother. in this universe instead of sarah Sarah, of course and amanda it's her um we find out um that um well now this came later but she she did say she revealed that she's her adopted mother Mm -hmm. 
However, that's not going to keep her from executing Burnham because Mirror Burnham was in league with Lorca to usurp the throne. And she's going to execute her anyway. Yes. At which point, Burnham's like, oh, man. I have nothing to lose. <laughs> and I was thinking, when I was watching this, just like, where are they going with this? Like, the gig is up. Like, this is not going well anywhere. Their cover's blown. Like, what is she going to... There's nothing she can do. Except... Tell the truth. <laughs> Tell her she's with the United Federation of Planets in a parallel universe. <sighs> Or mirror universe. So they have some discussion about that. The Defiant. And once all that happens. And it's out that she's from the mirror universe. Federation universe is when she executes everybody except one. That some, some dude who gets going to be the governor of Andor after he cleans up the mess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Clean this up. <laughs> uh... Whew. We're only getting started. Uh, meanwhile, Lorca's is in the agonizer booth somewhere on the palace ship. Being tortured by, never given his name, but this guy, uh, I guess um, Lorca, killed his sister? Well, he was they with his it. name. It's Captain Maddox. He's, he's the commander. He's the, he's, the, he's the captain of the Charon. Okay. So but, it's like, it's the palace, like, she's there as the emperor, it's her palace, but it's still a ship, so he's actually the captain of the okay, of the ISS Charon. Yes. And, go back, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I, I'm trying to remember now, I, I think Lorca killed his sister, but after he had uh, relations with her. <laughs> That's implied. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, but yeah, she, uh, was it... Because she was killed with all the rest of the crew, right? Was, was, did his whole crew... No, his whole crew didn't die in this universe, did it? I think they... I, I have to rewatch it. I When I remember, she, I think his sister was on the Baron with him, and she died. I, they didn't really say... Ha- did she, you know, was he, did he specifically kill her or was she just killed with the rest of the ship or what? It didn't really say. He's just, he's, I guess he's just, whatever. He holds Lorca responsible for his sister's death. Yeah. And he, he just, uh, he wants him, he, he's not going to kill him, but he, yet, I mean, he kills another member of his, uh, crew that was in an agonizer booth. Uh, he killed them because he's trying to get Lorca just to say her name. Yes. He wants to say her name, and Lorca doesn't. And we're thinking, well, he's not saying it because he has no idea... Who it is. ...what her name is. <laughs> because he's he's not Mary Universe, Lorca. He's from our universe. <laughs> so it's like... So at that point, they're, I think they're... I think they're transitioning kind of back and forth a couple times between him with Maddox... Yeah. Well, in let's, the, you know, the agonizer booth torture. Let's go back to the crew member that they killed when he injected with that 
whatever it was and he pretty much burns from the inside and then explodes and splatters the agonizer <clears throat> booth with blood. Yeah. Yeah. Again, <laughs> back to Quentin Tarantino. Right. Like what else? It's basically already done. Yeah. Um, Although he, I'll, he did, didn't he put something over his head? Like, no, I don't think so. He just, he just like injected him and injected him. But, uh, Although this, you could you could say that this was um, just better effects from the the next generation episode that uh, uh, con- what, conspiracy where the aliens yeah. are taken over and that alien like pretty much made that uh, captain explode. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That was, yeah, conspiracy. For, yeah. for the time, it was uh, that was. You're a good point. Yeah, it's a good, great point, John. This episode is kind of like T- T- TNG's conspiracy. It's like cause TNG's conspiracy episode. The episode conspiracy was kind of at the time. You're right. It was like very. Gruesome. Kind of over the top. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. For the day, it had some gratuitous violence to it. Let's right. just put it that way. Oh, and and some gratuitous uh, gratuitous eating scene. Remember Riker having to eat the uh, those worms. Oh, the gach. Oh, that was a different one. Oh, this, oh yes, oh yeah. No, there was like the it was like the meal worms. Yes, it was the meal worms. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, true, it's, true. It's basically, yeah, it's kind of like Discovery's conspiracy. Um, uh, but, it, you know what? It kind of reminded me of uh, the way they killed that guy, of like the disruptor, um, the Klingon disruptor effect from the, the TOS movies. So it's, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. There's a scene where crew, uh, Captain Cruz shoots one of his officers. Oh yeah, and basically disintegrates. Yeah. Yeah. And he scre- he was screaming as he was being disintegrated. Yeah. So I always thought it's like, yeah, that's probably how the Klingons' weapons would be. They wouldn't just zap you into nothing. Like you would be in pain and disintegrate more slowly. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much it just, well, like the name says, disruptor. It disrupts every cell in your body. Yeah. It pretty much causes them to, I guess, explode. Dis- it's kind of similar to that. Yeah, so. Um, so, so what we're saying is here, this episode. Yeah, well, well he, he, he turns up the, the uh, Captain Maddox. Is that what you said it was? Captain Maddox? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns up the agonizer, which causes Lorca to go unconscious, and Maddox said, pretty much says, "Oh, you're not dying on me." Goes pulls him out, and Lorca was just playing possum, and pretty much does away with Maddox. Says her name, his sister's name, which how would how would Prime <laughs> Universe Lorca know that? In the meantime, back uh, um, cut back to Burnham and uh, Emperor Georgia, where she's basically 
the Emperor is basically telling Burnham more about the relationship that Mirror Universe Burnham had with Mirror Universe Lorca, where he's she's basically saying he picked you know he picked you for this, and then she's remembering how Lorca basically brought her boy the Discovery. Yeah. Uh, so it's like all adding up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh. George already mentions how the only difference between them and the other universe humans is their sensitivity to sunlight. Oh, yes. Which Lorca has, uh, which was established before. Um, and there's, a, there's basically a couple other things that basically... Burnham comes to the conclusion right when Lorca says... Captain Maddox's sister's name that Lorca Captain Lorca from the you know twelve episodes of Star Trek Discovery is Lorca from the Mirror Universe. <laughs> yes. Which opens up a lot of questions in itself. Going back to the destruction of his first ship, or yeah. For discovery, what I can never think of that ship's name, the uh, Baron. Baron. Uh, so, was it there that maybe Mirror Universe Lorca crossed over, and you know he like pretty much lost it and had to like destroy the ship so nobody on the ship would notify anybody, anybody else in the Federation. Until Lorca it's definitely the first. Definitely the first question I think comes to mind is when and how did Mira Lorca come over to the Federation universe? When and how? And it would seem that I mean, if you kind of work backwards and some of the other clues, at the very least, it would seem from the. Mira Lorca has always been the captain of Discovery, I think. Yes. Like, I think at the very least, he's always been the captain of Discovery. What do you think? Oh, yeah. from the, Yeah. I, I definitely agree. Uh, at least especially since the, from the first time we see him. But I think from it being commissioned, I think he was the first captain. Yeah, because because I mean, the, the other clue that I remember from the earlier episodes is Stamets number one in the in, in the early episodes did not like Lorca, and he mentions how basically Lorca pulled him out of his labs, right, his research, yes, to come to Discovery. So, I think at that point Lorca was already thinking that. The only way I'm, you know, this is going to be a possible way for me to get back to my own universe is through this guy Stamets via his theories of the mycelial network. Right. Therefore, you know, we need a ship that's going to focus on that so he well, can. Was was Mirror Lorca? I mean, in the Mirror Universe, was he captain of Discovery? Or was did he did he get perform his coup before he took command in the mirror universe? 
I don't think so because in the mirror universe, remember, because one of the the, the way that Burnham basically she gives up to the Empress the fact that okay, I'm going to give you information on a spore drive if you basically, I guess, I don't know, let us go. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's assumed that even though they, even though Mirror Universe has Stamets doing his research, it has not progressed to the point of them actually having a spore drive on a starship. That's true. Also, is is there a Mirror Universe discovery? I mean, well, it's assumed, has been assumed, that it took the place of the USS Discovery in the Prime Universe. When they established that there probably that there wasn't a there was a discovery that was probably in the Federation universe. Well, it, it actually have to because oh yeah they did yeah because they had the interaction yeah the, the first episode where they were in the mirror universe that other um, Terran Empire ship shows up and they talk to them true and they're like hey discovery you know it looks like you need some help or whatever with the clean out and then then the next question is where is Prime Lorca. Exactly. Did they switch places, or is Prime Lorca still in the Prime Timeline? I'm thinking that... I hope... I mean, I guess this is what I think and what I hope. I hope Prime Lorca is still alive, because I think to have Jason Isaacs back, they need Prime Lorca to be alive. Right. I just don't know how they're going to bring him... Did yeah? Did he did he switch places w- with him, or is yeah? Is he still in the prime or well, prime universe? And here's that here's a here's the thought I just had from from episode three when they're bringing in the um, the prisoners. They see the black the black badge security guard. Yeah, I was thinking, wonder if. Mirror Universe has Prime Lorca like being held captive in in that room, and that Black Badge guard is protect or watching. Oh damn! I didn't even think of that. Because oh, that's dude. the only yeah, time he, that's they the, never showed those that that again, did they? No, they they only pointed out the Black Badges once. And maybe that dude, maybe those guards were some. We don't know. Maybe there were more than just Lorca that came over from the other universe. They could have been some of his other people. That's true. Yeah, because I well, well, move on after it's uh, Lorca escapes and goes to the hangar deck where they had all the agonizer boost for the rest of his crew that mutinied or well tried to perform the coup, and there is um, Lieutenant. Oh, what's the security guard's name uh, from that died by tardigrade? Oh, the the, the security chief. Yeah, uh, that was Commander Landry. Landry, yeah. So, she, yeah, he goes to the the hangar deck and lets her out. So, oh yeah, or well, lets her out. But I, I thought maybe the the way. Th- the way the uh, prime universe Landry was acting towards like pretty much dehumanizing. Yeah. I thought, well, that explain it. I mean, if, you know, if she was mirror universe, that's why she was such 
Uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of yeah, trying to think of I, a I politically correct term. <laughs> Racist. Well, no. Well, no, she was just uh, she was just a dick to the prisoners. When you well, th- you think and the tardigrade. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, because her and Lorca had a weird relationship. She was like her, his right hand man, woman. But they, yeah, but they basically established in this last episode that Lorca, he's obviously cunning, deceptive. He had relationships with people in the in the mirror universe, and when he went back to the Federation, well, when he went to the Federation universe. He's like, okay, if I had a relationship with the mirror universe, I could probably cultivate a similar relationship here. So he, he cultivated it with the same people, Commander Landry, and then later Burnham, and whoever else. The Admiral. The Admiral, and... <laughs> Which, whatever happened to her? <laughs> I forgot what happened. She's, oh, she survived from... She got yeah. She survived being captured by the okay. Laurel. Uh, yeah. You know what? What's funny is I only re- re- just from watching some YouTube stuff. They actually, you know, that episode where where um, Lorca was in bed with um, Admiral Cornwell. Yeah. They apparently showed. His supposed battle scars. Right. He had a triangular scar, which would have been from the TOS mirror mirror episode. That the handheld triangular agonizers. Right. They they mentioned that on After Trek. They actually showed a picture, a, a still of it of the scar. Yeah. They said yeah that no, was that was from an agonizer. No discovery and how fast they do quick scenes and takes that they was probably on there for a split second but they did a good like if they did that that's pretty cool that they were able to get that in there yeah because man if i had seen that i i i would i would like to think i would have picked up on that but i can't say that i recall seeing it yeah i I definitely all all (laughs) i remember was a bunch of scars i didn't look at any shapes (laughs) But you're right. The big question is, when did Lorca exactly come over to to the Fed universe? And who did he come over with? And what happened to, you know, yeah, the real Lorca? How, however, by the end of this episode, let's let's I mean let's kind of look at this because. They've done a number of bait and switches and setting things up and twists and turns. And we didn't even talk about the scene with um, Tyler yet and Laurel. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, I'm not convinced that Lorca is totally bad in the mirror universe. Because... I mean, from the perspective from the perspective of the Federation universe, you kind of say, okay, the Federation is good and they're enlightened, but there are still very few bad humans. There's right. a few of them, right? Right. In the mirror universe, almost every human is bad, and in contrast, there might be a, a few good humans. 
I think Lorca might come out as um, it might be that hey, he he could be trying to overthrow the empire, not just to be the next emperor, but to actually oh try to overthrow the empire, like like because he like, like the empire, the, like the rebellion in Star Wars. Yeah, that would because, be good. well. I you mean, know, actually, if you think about it, Lorca is not xenophobic. It seems as um, the rest of the Terrans are because. If he was xenophobic, why would he choose Saru as his first officer? I agree. And why does he have tribbles and all these these other yeah. you know? Gr- granted, he he dissected one in his lab. <laughs> but True. well, I'm not saying I'm not saying he's he's a saint. Oh, yeah. But he might <laughs> he may not necessarily be evil. True. He might just be Sci- scientific experiment curiosity <laughs> i mean he's definitely cunning he's definitely can be an ass he definitely is not a starfleet captain he probably but he has been able to fit in so something in his character I'm, i i i don't think they're gonna have him be 100 percent evil i, I, I no. just don't I, I think that might be the, the the remaining twist of this is that he's he might actually be trying to overthrow the net, the empire for some good reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, he didn't, I mean, yeah, he killed, he killed Maddox, but that he, Maddox was, was torturing. Yeah. yeah him, that was, I mean. that was like, that was pretty much self-defense. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't do anything else really yet. I mean, no, yeah, he hasn't eaten a Kelpian that we know of. No. So I I'm looking forward to the next episodes to see how this plays out. I I I'm, I think with the complexity of the scripts we've seen and the character development, I'd be surprised if, if they have Lorca just be another, you know, evil character type. Well, okay, he'd be like, almost be like the uh, Mirror's Universe Spock from uh, Mirror Mirror, you know. Oh yeah. Because yeah, at the end of that, you know, Spock was going to take command of the Enterprise and try to make the Empire better. I just thought of something the way you say that. The humans are completely xenophobic. Yes. At what what was the catalyst to at least allow them to get a Vulcan into Starfleet. That's true. I mean, yes, they were still bad and evil and you know, but but they allowed other races. I mean, especially, especially since yeah. since the Vulcans are part of the coalition of other races at this point fighting yes. against the yeah, so maybe maybe Lorca is the that is that catalyst that, you know, brings about change and opening the empire to other races i think i think this is i think this could be it i mean i if he ends up somehow taking over i mean he may not be the perfect guy he may not even if he does take over it's not like he can just suddenly change everything right but he might be the catalyst of getting you know other races into the you know terran starfleet and maybe trying to and maybe he fails, but he maybe he made some success. Yeah. 
They've the writers of the show have proved very deft at tying in canon and using it in unique ways, and it wouldn't surprise me if yeah. something like this. I th- I think where we think they they've broken away from canon, I think I think they're playing a long game, and in the well, end, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. <laughs> well, we've seen it with Lorca because that was a yeah. big thing. It's like yes. Lorca, how could he be a Starfleet? Doesn't act like a Starfleet captain. And... But, and this and that, I was like, yeah. they're basically like, yeah, well, that's that's because he wasn't, right? And I, you're right, I think, because they said that in the beginning where people were kind of getting hemming and hawing about that. And it's like, well, just let it play out. You know, but I I see some people say now, though, that it's like, well, isn't that kind of a red herring if... Because they, if if they had said back, oh, this is why we want to set it pre TOS is the characters are developing into what we know, and, we, and there's some shades of gray, aka Lorca. This is why the way he's he's more of a shade of gray character. But now it's like, well, oh, well, if you're just gonna make him evil, and that's the explanation, you're kind of shooting your own, you know viewpoint in the foot which is why i think that Lorca is not gonna be just an evil caricature he's gonna have facets to him in his mirror universe persona as well agreed yeah so and i'm also i'm also thinking wonder if they're going to uh use the book the next uh book drastic measures as a, you know, tie some of this in as well, because will it be prime, prime Lorca in in, in that <laughs> novel, or will it be mirror Lorca? <laughs> I'd have to, you know, it's a good question because I don't know if they ever establish timelines because they did they did say that. When they first came over to the mirror universe, you know, that Burnham, or they said, okay, Lorca tried to oversell the Emperor. Burnham was sent to hunt him down. They didn't say exactly when all this occurred. Was it a year before? Was it five years before? Was it? Yeah, they haven't established, like, the timeline. I mean, obviously, she was captain of the Shinzo at the time. I guess I can't go too far back because she's she's fairly young. Yeah. But probably in that book that you're talking about, it would have to be the real Lorca, I guess, at that time point. Which, yeah, I, I'm like you. I hope, however they work this, that they bring Jason Isaacs back next year. That'd be, yeah. I Even, even though he's, a, like, you know... A little evil at times and a little off. I I, I love. I just I love the attitude he has sometimes. I think yeah, I agree. What what if what if the real Lorca is actually evil? Oh wow! <laughs> if if the if the mirror universe is kind of a, has some good in them, maybe the real Fed universe. Is is a bad apple? <laughs> uh, I I don't 
I don't think he would have made it, made it to, you know, at least captain of one ship before without being pulled from Starfleet. I mean, they do have psychological tests to weed, weed those people out. But we've had some crazy captains before. Uh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Remember Captain Tracy of the USS Con- was it? Nah. Constellation? <sighs> Not Constellation. The <sighs> what ship was it? Exeter. USS Exeter. Oh, yes. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. The planet where he went, wanted to find the Fountain of Youth? Yes. <laughs> he killed. He got his whole crew killed. Yeah. There's definitely pre- precedence for power hungry, mad captains in TOS there. <laughs> I don't know. It's all going to come down to when did Lorca come over and how. Yeah. And where's where's the other Lorca? Right. It's funny that they that they went right into this. You know why? Because I you know you almost end up forgetting the whole thing with. Um, Ash. Yeah, <laughs> it's like they went from that to this. It's like, damn, slow down. Yeah, they they pretty much resolved <laughs> the Ash thing with uh, Laurel helping to, I guess, I guess, pretty much uh, kill the Volk persona within Ash. This know. was the other part of this episode that I. Uh, I didn't quite get. So, Ash is having his existential. Ash lost bulk is having his existential crisis, going nuts. You know, tearing his own body apart. <sighs> Saru goes to Laurel in the brig and basically says, "Hey." We've got a Starfleet officer here who thinks he's Klingon and he's probably going to kill himself. What are you going to? You going to help us or not? She's like, no, he's a Klingon. This is war. Whatever. You just have to deal with it. Saru's like, okay. <laughs> Has Ash Tyler beamed right into her cell? His chest and all scarred up. Suddenly she's like, okay, I'll help. Yeah. I don't understand that. Well, really. no. Well, he, he, had, he had pretty much broken free and he was pretty much clawing. I mean, all those scratches on his chest, he was pretty much trying to claw, tear the skin away, I think, to, uh, you know, get to his true self. But, but why is her way of helping... Because I think she honestly cared. I think she cared for both of them. I think she cared for Volk and Ash okay. Tyler. Okay, okay. And okay. she and and she. I mean, okay. she she didn't want to see either one of them okay. in such All agony. Right. So no, you, you you actually answered my question because my I was thinking more of if she's so into Volk and the mission. Why did she choose to erase the Valk persona? But you're right. During the course of this freaking process and this freaking madness that she sent in the motion, that she might have actually developed more of a connection to Tyler. However evil that and abusive that relationship may have been, that that part she was more connected to. 
Yeah. And she ended up getting rid of Valk. And, I don't know, maybe. I don't know. He's still going to have to be traumatized by this. Oh, yeah. You know, the Tyler persona that's left. Because she did the Vulcan, you know, death scream. The Klingon death scream, yes. Um, but yeah. All right, see, you're, this is why I like us working through this. Because this, it shows you how complex this is. Because yeah. I wasn't quite understanding why she would have did But you're right. But I, so, but is it correct that pretty much it's Volk's body that they mutilated to look human, correct? Yeah. And then they overlaid the Ash Tyler persona over Volk. Yeah. And that's once she, once he started having flashbacks and time lapse or yeah, pretty much blackouts. But what was it? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm second guessing myself now. Was it the Volk persona she killed off or was it the Ash Tyler? Because he'd never really gained, regained consciousness. It was just assumed Volk because of the, oh. the death scream. You make a good point because nothing is quite – now that they've done so many surprises, it's it's almost hard to – take things on face value because on face value, I would just say, yeah, it was Valk that she got rid of because she did the Vulcan death scream, which is because Valk is entering Stovall core. Right. You know, Klingon, why would she do that? If it was the Ash Tyler, he wasn't the Klingon persona. Well, I mean, but maybe, maybe she could have just did that as a deception for true. everybody else. Or like I said, yeah. she has feelings for Ash, and maybe to honor honor his bravery and his honor, he she basically told the Klingons that you know another warrior is entering Stovacor. I don't know if it would be that more than she might have just done it to, to you know to trick the, the Starfleet yeah, people in the room to make them think that. <laughs> If that's the case, I, I, I still would probably bet on the fact that it was Valk that she got rid of, yeah. and that's and that's my Tyler gut feeling. Left, but yeah, that's my gut feeling. So, but and, we will see. And, and so that they could keep the actor, you know, <laughs> right? Because <on> <laughs> otherwise, it's like, damn. Although we don't know who's going to survive at the end, <laughs> we don't. I mean, it's probably too. We should probably wait on the speculation for season two after the season ends because it's almost too early with so many twists and turns. Yeah. This I is... mean, because you want to at this point, you kind of want to say, "Well, is Lorca going to be in season two? What happens to Laurel? She's great. Is she going to be in season two? Is Tyler? Is it's it's, um, it's I, like I'm I'm like thinking, forget Quentin Tarantino or well, no, he can direct. But get George R. R. Martin to write the next Star Trek. <laughs> they they might be mad to hear you say that. Yeah. I mean, well, it's kind of funny because they did say that this they want this to be the Game of Thrones. Of, uh, yeah. Which, when they originally said that, I was like, eh, really? But it's actually, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely. I mean, the, why, yeah, it's, with the gore, the I mean, 
the some sex scenes and <laughs> but uh it's crazy. Yeah, but yeah, this I, is it, this is not a show you can just jump into anywhere and know what's going on. Oh no, no. Which that's the whole point. It's a hundred. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. Oh yeah, it's more serialized than any other. Yeah, it's it's because of the Lorca thing. It's like yeah, no, you definitely got to watch this from first episode through. That that is definitely a long game. Damn. Yeah. Which I mean, we don't know. It, there's probably going to be a major cliffhanger at the uh, at the end here, and you know. <laughs> it, I can't wait. Yeah. I was I saw a couple of tweets from some of the from uh, Ted Sullivan. He was just talking about how the next episode is going to be totally freaking nuts. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot to live up to after the last two. <laughs> oh damn! Oh. I don't know. It's it's definitely has gotten really good. It's like I'm glad it finally won you over. <sighs> I was getting tired of you poo pooing it every week. <laughs> I Sorry. I can poo poo Star Wars: The Last Jedi. We, we should discuss that. In one yeah, of you want you want you want to have a one off. Uh, Trek talk where we talk about Star Wars. I actually want to. Well, we can. I need to talk about Star Wars because it's like I have no outlet. I'm still I'm a Star Wars fan, and Last Jedi was like mm. yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a I'm a Star Wars fan. I, I love them all. Pretty much if it's got the word Star in it, I love it. Star Trek, Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, Stargate, and Firefly. <laughs> <laughs> How about Battle Beyond the Stars? I think you pull that one. Yeah, I, I remember watching it, yeah. You know what that one is? The Battle No. I, I remember watching I think. I just can't. I, it's not coming to my mind right now. <sighs> that was... Uh, who was in that? Oh, God. It was an 80s sci-fi movie. It was, it was, did it have John Boy in it? I think so. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's the one that popped to mind, yeah. 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 John Boy Walton, yeah. John Boy Walton in space. Yeah, that was, that yes. was it. Yes, I remember that. Um, that was it. You know, it's but, funny because I haven't thought about that movie in, like, I don't know how long. And when you just started saying All the Stars, I was yeah. like... Oh, and, and don't let's not forget Space 1999. Yes. So... But yeah, I, I'm I pretty much love pretty much all uh, all sci-fi. There's only one movie I've ever hated with a passion that was somewhat sci-fi, and that okay. was oh, was it pro- late late 80s, early 90s. It was called Spaced Invaders. <laughs> Spaced Invaders, and it had these That's aliens that came it came down to Earth, and no joke, one of them talked like Jack Nicholson. <laughs> oh, was it a comedy? It was, I, I, it, it was, yeah, it was a bad comedy. I, I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but yeah. We might need to branch out and do a totally off the wall just sci-fi movies. Yeah, or maybe narrow it down. Maybe eighties sci-fi. Start with that. Yeah. 
but yeah, this is our third tangent, so I think maybe we should probably wrap it up because we're almost at uh, one hour twenty minutes. Um, definitely got to wrap it up. Yep. All right, a lot of fun as always. Um, we'll be back uh, maybe with uh, with the guest to discuss the next episode of Star Trek Discovery. Thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed this. And uh, thanks again for listening to Trek Talk. Thanks, everybody, and live long and prosper.